So hopping back into this question of, of ideas, we've kind of talked about, you know, what your process is for ideating. We've talked about the clothing brand, why you started it. We've talked about good and bad ideas. So I want to talk a little bit more about like when you get to the, the phase where you're out of your head a little bit, you've kind of put this idea down on paper and you've worked on it. Um, were you nervous the very first time that you were sharing an idea that you had worked on with a large group of people? Like what was kind of like the thought process that you were going through uh, for the very first time or even any time since then? Yeah, so the first time I came up with an idea, I was not nervous at all. I thought I was genius. My turn signals for bikes, like, my goodness, man. I told everyone. I was like, yo, this is going to be huge. I didn't even Google it yet. And then I Googled it. There's like a hundred on Amazon and none of them are selling well. So whatever. But uh, <laughs> second time, third time, fourth time, I came up with ideas and I tried to chase them down. I honestly felt pretty stupid, man. Like, it's one of those things where the first time that you chase something down, you have this naive conviction in you that this is gonna work out, this is gonna be the thing. It's the first time you're experiencing that rush of like, you know, really working on something for yourself or, you know, having an idea that is truly novel and, and no one else has worked on it. You really have a lot of confidence and you end up expending a lot of social capital on it too. Like you tell, you you post about it on Facebook. You, you know, with my writing history, having written a couple of blogs, uh, Steal My Startup and also most recently, The mm -hmm. Executive Summary. Um, a lot of posting that stuff online, getting people to share it, asking people to follow, uh, that kind of stuff. When you start doing it the second or third time, you really don't feel good about it. Like it's, it's one of those things where I'm on my fourth or fifth idea at this point, And it really is heartening to hear from a friend that it's something that you appreciate about me and that you think is you know, cool in, in some way. For me, it, it I feel a bit like a failure. It's like, oh shit, here comes Rayhan again with another idea. What's it going to be this time? So in that way, mm. I do feel nervous when I share ideas with people, but I've created a tighter process for building conviction around an idea that enables me to get rid of those nerves when I share them now. First of all, I don't jump so quickly to share an idea when I come up with it. I write it down, I sit on it. But the second thing I do, which actually ties back to my shout out to my boss, is taking a hypothesis-driven approach to, um, to actually validating the idea initially. Of course, you'll never know until you build something, put it out there, and someone pays, it, pays you for it. But there are things that you can do early, and a hypothesis-driven approach is something you can do. And in essence, to shortly uh, sum that up, basically you come up with the three or four hypotheses, the core things that the core statements that need to be true in order for um your idea to be a good idea in the case of what i'm working on right now to say it quickly uh essentially it's an audiobook production platform that enables independently published authors or any author who owns the audio rights to their books to record their own audiobooks at home narrate it themselves package it themselves and do it very simply and cheaply because right now the alternative is outsourcing that to a professional studio and that process costs mm -hmm. thousands of dollars which is more than the average book earns in its lifetime so the core hypotheses here are one authors want to make audiobooks two um authors are willing to narrate audiobooks themselves and three authors currently feel underserved by the 
current methods of audiobook production, in which case this is something that they would use. So, you know, you do your research, you interview people, and it was only after interviewing people and really trying to validate these hypotheses did I build conviction enough to go after it wholeheartedly and tell people about it without being nervous. True. So, so you're saying doing a little bit of work from the initial stage of, oh, wow, I have an idea and I'm very excited about it um, to the stage of like, OK, now I can even if the idea is not obviously perfect or fully fleshed out, but doing a bit of work between that point before you're then telling other people about it. Yeah, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Just like push the ball forward a little bit to just, you know, shake off the yeah. rust, see if anything out there exists, see if you actually like it. Uh, and want to work on it and see if the the hypotheses that hold up this business are actually true. Okay, that's pretty cool. And and I love to hear, I mean, my next question was going to be about what you're working on right now. And, and I love to hear um, that there's progress going on with that. What would you say right now is kind of the hardest part about getting feedback on the idea? Because I would say that this is something I mean, compared to other ideas in the past where you're like intensely working on this specific thing yeah, as your sole focus, eight to 10 hours a day all the time. So you're very close to it. So how, how are you feeling when you're getting feedback? How are you taking that feedback in without feeling like it's an attack on you personally? It, it's tough. And this is where anyone who hasn't already needs to go and listen to, I think it was your second episode. Was it Manuela? your second episode yeah so yeah. david had someone on who was talking about growth mindset and she is very credible on this she practiced it herself she's very well read on the topic um that is just about the most valuable thing that you could have if you try to go into entrepreneurship like you need to be able to take feedback and you need to be able to depersonalize it and know that you know this isn't an attack on you this is just simply feedback that is coming from a source that could be right or could be wrong and Failure is just a way for you to improve. So when I get feedback now, I, I won't lie, it is tough because like you said, this is my sole focus. This is the first time in my life I'm working full time on something of my own and I am a little too close to it. Um, so there are times where people tell me things and I just outright don't believe it or I do take it to heart because this is kind of a lot of my identity right now. So it's hard to, yeah. to, to decouple those things. But I would definitely think that you need to be seeking feedback often and early. And the yeah. best thing that you can do is also just parse out who's credible on, our, on an argument and who isn't. There's going to be a lot of people who tell me stuff, but it won't shake me because one, they're not authors themselves. They, um, they don't know anything about the industry. Uh, they didn't fully understand the idea because I didn't really explain it well. There's a lot of reasons why people will give you the feedback that they do, but the ones that you should really think objectively about and try to internalize and understand and use if you can is the feedback from the people that are credible on the thing that you're trying to do. In my case, if an author tells me, hey, this is garbage, I would never use it, I need to listen mm. to that. I need to know why that's the case. Um, and that's true of a lot of different ideas. You just got to know who your target customer is and who's credible to tell you what they're telling you. Yeah. And I think like even taking it away from like entrepreneurship and business a little bit, um, yeah. I, I think your point is really great. If you're trying to service a specific person or service a specific target demographic, that feedback should be the most important. Um, but what I found as well is just having people that, you know, 
will give you the unfiltered truth every single time. So yeah. when it comes to putting out a product, let's say I put out an episode, um, there's certain people who they hit me up to like, yo, I like the episode, but X, Y, and Z was trash. Like fix it. Or this wasn't as good as this was, you know what I mean? And, and um, that's like, you need those people who are going to give you the, the honest truth in certain instances. And I think that can also just help with building up confidence because if I get feedback from those people and they're like, man, I really love this. This was done excellently and this and that. So then you're like, okay, like I'm getting that, that kind of validation with the idea. So um, I definitely agree though with, with feedback. It, it's really hard sometimes um, to not feel like um, you're being attacked. And personally for me, that's where a lot of my nervousness comes from when, when I want to share ideas. It's like, um, obviously I would love to get feedback. People saying like, this is dope and I love it. But sometimes I'm like, yeah. ah, if somebody hits me up and tells me like they don't like this and I've been putting so much into it, like I don't even know if I can take that. And that's where you start just scrapping, scrapping ideas. It, it is tough. But actually, I had a question for you on this because, I mean, I've, I've been in positions where I've been getting lots of feedback. And honestly, as you know, like everyone wants to tell you how to live your life. You get feedback from many different directions all the time. In your case, mm-hmm. I know you've had some experiences before in prior workplaces where you wanted feedback and you weren't actually getting it at all. Like, is Mm. that, what's that experience like? And did you crave feedback as well? Like, even if it wasn't positive? Yeah, definitely. Because if you're in, if you're in a position where you're getting, I, let me speak for myself. If I'm in a position where I'm getting no feedback, I will oftentimes assume the worst. Um, and and I think, like you've said, feedback is so important for growth. And for me, like growth is the biggest thing I prioritize at the stage of the life life I'm in. So if I'm in a space where I'm not getting any sort of communication as to like, David, you're doing this well, you're doing this not so well, you need to improve on this, that I'm just assuming like, okay, I'm just completely missing the ball here. So um, I, I think it's a little bit different when it comes to work because in a workplace, there's a certain set of guidelines that already exist that I know, okay, I got to do this, I got to do that to be successful. And that's what I want feedback on. But when it's like, I'm creating the work, when I'm the one setting, the, you know, those guidelines, and when I'm the one building building that structure, then it's like people might just give me feedback on the structure itself and be like, okay, this is like awful, you know, and that's where some of that nervousness comes from. But I think it's really important in any sort of environment that we're in in any sort of project whether it's like our nine to five or otherwise to crave that feedback um because i think ultimately it really helps to to build that confidence and to get that validation and even if like on that idea you know you you get feedback and it's not positive like you you said early in the episode failure is one of the most important things because it just offers you so many more learning opportunities that into that next idea, best believe you're not making the same mistakes you made on the first one, right? Like for you, if you ever want to do um, clothing or fashion again, you're not going to sink, you know, a couple K into the same place that you sunk it before, right? So um, that's like my outlook or, or my perspective on feedback. No, I, I think that was perfectly said. Totally agree. So when it comes to, you know, being confident, like we, we just talked a little bit about how how you do a little bit of homework before you start sharing your ideas do you find that yeah. now that you're you're in next 36 you're in this environment where it's it's quite competitive it, it's probably a little bit intense 
are you more confident in your ideas? Are you more confident in yourself? Or is it still a little bit of a struggle sometimes when it, it comes to like building something and putting it out there? Well, if it's, it's de- it depends on the day, but uh, <laughs> it, it does, uh, it does help for sure because to the credibility thing that I was telling you about, I am in a room now where people truly are credible. When I was at Hatch, the entrepreneurship incubator at, uh, at Carleton University, I was the run running that as somebody who didn't really have any entrepreneurial experience at all. It was the blind leading the blind. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> at this point, in it, the incubator, no one was there to tell me otherwise. At this point, at, at Next36, I have exposure to you know, Harvard professors, uh, people who've been there, done that. Next36 alum themselves, like the founder of Ada, who's like, they're now a unicorn. They're a billion-dollar company. Like, these are the people who are coming in, VCs. These are the people who are coming in, hearing our ideas and reacting to them, and hearing about our progress and reacting to them. And they're credible. These are people who, yeah, you know what a good business, a good founder and good traction looks like. And you're telling me that I kind of have that. So in that way, I am gaining more confidence. But to your point about it being a competitive environment, this is something that I need to improve at. And I think that it's something that everybody suffers from is that when you're an ambitious person, you're always going to want to be in bigger and better rooms and the negative side of that is that every room that I find myself in now every time I kind of jump up a level and now I'm in this incubator with 35 other people who are really really cool working on really cool stuff I have imposter syndrome I'm like I shouldn't be here these people are so great and it's hard for you to take a bird's eye view zoom out and be like you know what I'm in a great group of people um, and there's a lot of people outside of this group that I'm outperforming. And there's a whole lot of people outside of this group that I'm completely underperforming as well. And that's okay. Yeah. It's a journey. Yeah, man. It's, it's definitely a journey. Um, and with the posture syndrome, man, it's like you said, everybody deals with it and stealing a little bit from what Manuela said is she, she talked about the, the, I got this document where it's basically a list of your wins. And like you said, I think when, when you are driven and, and when you are a little bit more ambitious, it's very easy to discount those wins and forget about them. Um, but being able to be like, man, I was actually good enough to be one of the only 36 people in this entire country selected for this program. So I deserve a seat at the table. Um, I think that's very important. And I, I would agree. I think um, that confidence is definitely something that is built and you have to remind yourself of, or at least I find I have to remind myself of because from day to day, like some days I'm like, Oh, you can't tell me anything, bro. I'm I'm getting so much better at what I do. Like, I just put out this episode; it was a banger. Mm-hmm. People loved it. Or I just like closed this deal at work, and um, you know, I had to go through a six month grind to get there. And then some days, you know, you're getting emails back from people saying, "Never contact me again." You're like, "Why am I so trash at this?" You know, but you just have to constantly yeah. like work on that mindset and constantly remind yourself and answer the question: Am I smart enough? With the heck yes, to be able to you know push and continue doing what you're doing. But I, I wanted to react actually to something that you said before um, about ideas. When you said people would be like, oh, here comes Rayhan like with another idea. There's actually no one I've ever spoken yeah. to specifically about you that has that reaction. Like when I talk to people about you, the reaction I always get is like, man, that guy's that guy's a robot. That guy's a machine. Like, I think there's just a lot of like respect 
um, at least like in our circle that, that people show towards you. Um, and I'm telling you that so that you can put that as one of your wins when it comes to like that imposter syndrome, because there's a lot of people that you also find impressive who find you very impressive. You know what I mean? So having that perspective as well, of like whenever you come up with a new idea, everyone's just like, I don't know how this guy does it. Like I'm still on idea number one. My guy's on idea number 17. So just something for you to, to think about. Yeah. Like no one's like, oh my God, can this guy chill? Or like this guy's feeling every time. I think from my perspective, it's like this guy's leveling up every time. I man, it does it does mean a lot to say that. I'll leave uh, to to hear that. I'll leave it at that. That's uh, that means a lot. All right, so we got a couple more things here to to do before we can put a bow on this episode. The first one is story time. I was looking forward to sto- I was looking forward to story time. The first one is story time, man. And I was racking my brain for a story. Um, it actually came to me today, so I'm very happy just in time for this recording. Um, <laughs> the story is specifically about Rayhan. Oh God! Um, don't worry, no, no, don't worry. Nothing too bad. Nothing too bad. They're all bad. Um, but yeah, Rayhan is like notoriously the. I said it at the beginning, notoriously the most routine person in in our friend group and the most routine person I've ever met in my life. Uh, when we went to Venture for Canada, like Rayhan was always the first one to say, I'm going to bed. Um, he would just order himself a pizza when everyone else was just like having fun, order himself a pizza, go to his room, eat it, call his girlfriend and, and go to bed super early. Uh, and last summer, a bunch of our, our friends from university, I think it was like 10 guys or so, um, we were trying to get away for the, I think it was like the tail end of August. So we booked a cottage uh, in Quebec and we went over there and we got, we got in pretty late. Like we got in midnight, 1am, but it was our first time seeing each other for so long because of COVID and, and also just people living in different cities. So we all stayed up pretty late, like playing some card games and, and catching up. And Rehan had warned us before when we were doing our meal prep that he had certain dietary restrictions, like he wasn't eating bread except for like one day out of seven. And like there was other things he couldn't eat. Um, he was eating burgers with only lettuce. Like it was very strange. Um, but he also had his routine of like getting up at 5 a.m. And um, <laughs> he's been trying to he's been trying to get better at basketball. So he usually does like oh, no. 30 minutes of basketball drills. So taking that most of us stayed up till like 12 or 1 a.m. The next day was a Friday and we just had to do some work for at least half the day before we can enjoy our weekend together. But we're running on like three to four hours of sleep. And at like 5.30 in the morning, I just start hearing boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom, outside my room. I was like, what is going on? We're at this peaceful cottage. It's secluded from society. What could be making noise? Boom, 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 boom. So I call my room and I look out the window at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> And I see Rayhan outside, headphones on, practicing his offhand dribble at a cottage. I was like, bro, can you stop this madness, please? I understand you're trying to get better at basketball for adult rec men's leagues. But now is not the time. (laughs) Like, now is not the time. And that entire weekend, like, he he would always just pull a rule, like, 
sometimes you'd be like, oh, everyone's going to have this. And he's like, oh, I can't do it. Like, why? He's like, it's just part of my diet. And most recently, (laughs) actually this weekend, we just played basketball with with a few friends. And uh, afterwards, we go to get some shawarmas. And everyone gets like a chicken shawarma. Rehan gets falafel. And our friend Tommy's like, oh, Rehan, are you are you vegetarian now? He's like, yeah, I am. We actually did a challenge together, me and Rehan, uh, in May. But Rehan decided to stay vegetarian. And Rehan goes, yeah, I'm vegetarian. Honestly, don't love it. I actually hate it. <laughs> and Tommy's like, so why are you doing it? <laughs> this guy says, just because. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> So when it comes to routine, man, this man will never, this man will never take his foot off the gas pedal. Honestly, I respect it so much. But sometimes, man, like that time at the cottage, 5 a.m., I said, bro, if you don't get your ass back to bed, bro, what's going on right now? Uh, well, I, uh, I'd like to say I dropped 40 on someone's head top that uh, when we played basketball, that didn't happen. I think I twisted my ankle a little bit and didn't score at all. But we're, we're learning. Yeah, honestly, we're getting I, better. I feel like we all got hurt, man. Now that we're all getting to mid-20s, we play basketball and mans are hobbled for two to three days afterwards. Dude, what is it about being in your 20s where, like, injuries don't heal anymore? What's that about? It's just crazy. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i starting to, I'm trying to set up physio appointments in the next few weeks to get my knees sorted out. Um, but oh yeah, it's, I, I'm not messing with that at all. Um, so yeah, that's that's story time. Uh, just a fun little story. I love, I honestly love talking to Rayhan, but the thing I love even more is roasting him because he's just, he's just a good sport. He takes it really well. So Rayhan, we've come to the, the conclusion of this episode. Um, and I would love to hear a life lesson from you. I know we talked about a bunch of different things, but if someone could only tune in for this portion of the episode, what is that one thing that you really want to, to pass along that they should take away from the conversation that we've had? You know, I think that this is such a, your story time was a perfect lead into this. And as per usual with you, perfectly told story. You're, you're just very, very good at that. Uh, but my lesson is you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything you want. I think that's the thing that I really, really learned when I was in the middle of that routine, because I think I described it at the beginning of the at the beginning of the episode what my routine typically looked like back then. My routine was wake up 5 a.m., um, go practice basketball, work out, then do two hours of machine learning, then work my my like job, which was a 50 to 60 hour a week job, then finish that up and work on the executive summary, which was a little side business that I tried going on with, and. It was just a, a case of me wanting it all, you know? I wanted to work a job where I was learning a lot and and getting paid pretty well. I wanted to pick up, you know, a new skill that I thought was highly valuable in artificial intelligence. I wanted to get really good at hooping. I wanted to look like Michael B. Jordan. I wanted to build a successful business on the side. And, you know, surprise, surprise, none of it worked out. Like, as you know, I don't look like Michael B. Jordan. And as you know better than anyone, I don't play basketball very well. Like Michael Jordan, I'm not... You've gotten, I'm, you've gotten I'm a no lot go- better, though. You've gotten a lot better. I've gotten, be- I've gotten better, definitely. And I got better in every one of those facets to a degree. Like, all, I made progress. But it was definitely the hardest I'd ever worked in my life. And it's not like I have too, too much to show for it. And when you contrast that with my life now, where, yes, I'm still living very routine... 
but it is really centered around one or two things. And I'm giving myself the greatest chance I've ever given myself to succeed at something. Uh, it's probably the statistics say it's probably not going to work out. Most startups fail. And, uh, that is going to be true of mine very likely, but I have never had a better chance at it. And I've never been happier than I am right now focusing on one thing. So it is quite liberating. That's the thing I'd leave people with is mm -hmm. know that you can do anything. Know that the answer to the question, are you smart enough is heck yes, as David said, but you're got to pick your battles and you can't pick more than three in my opinion. Man, that, that was so well said. Giving yourself a chance. Um, honestly, I, I have nothing else to add to that. I, I really love the way you put it about you can do uh, anything you want, but you can't do, every, you can't do everything. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to hear from you that you're also embracing that mindset. Um, because I think that sometimes, man, especially like I, I feel like being young and living in the city, you're trying to do everything. Like we're all, we're all trying to yeah. become... Sometimes we're all trying to become overnight successes and we think that by just being all tired all the time and overloading our, our plates with work, that that's how to get there. But being able to pick your battles, give yourself a chance um, and just keep improving, um, I think is the most important thing. So Rayhan Memon, man, this guy came on the pod. Um, Rayhan was actually, fun fact, the very first person to hear about the Life IQ podcast back in May of 2020. I think we were, we were driving home from a cottage weekend uh, and we talked about it and he gave me that validation. I appreciate you for that. And I'll always, I will always give you honest and uh, honest feedback on all the ideas that you're putting out. I love to see what you're doing, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's been a blast. Appreciate it, man. Uh, happy to be a recurring guest. So uh, any, any listeners campaign for me, please. You see how this man, first of all, this man came on, gave Tim Ferriss a shout out on my pod. And, <laughs> and now he just, he just signed himself to a multiple year extension. Ridiculous. Listen, I just want I just want 10%. That's all I'm asking want, for. Me. Hey, like minority share. Why don't we why don't we take this offline? I know how much you love black businesses. <laughs> <laughs> I love black owned businesses. I'm happy to apply for some grants for us. It's fine. <laughs> for us. Man, I love you, bro. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast. Love you too. Appreciate you uh you uh putting this together, man. Yes, sir.